0: Well, in our series of Messages Unstoppable, we're working our way through the book of Acts. Today, we're in Acts chapter 17. Well, before we get there, there was a movie in 2010, uh, Christopher Nolan, he's a great and acclaimed director, did a movie entitled Inception. And Inception was kind of a, it was a mind-bending movie. There's no other way to say it. It was mind-bending, it was visually stunning. had a pretty cool story, and the basics behind it, if you're not familiar with it, was that you could actually get inside somebody's dreams and you could manipulate the outcome of their of their life or business decision or whatever it might be and, you know it was a really cool a really cool concept and I'm not really here to talk about the movie other than just one scene one scene There's a scene where the buildings and the cities just kind of turn on their they just turn over they're, they're, everything is kind of flipped everything is kind of out of reality it's just so crazy it's just stunning to watch it all but and what's interesting about this is that there well this is all fiction there's something very interesting there are times in our lives and i think we would all admit this that certain things just let's just call it what it is certain things occur where everything flips everything turns on its head realities are just so out of sync and out of rhythm Everything that we might have considered normal is just completely different, and there may be even unexpected outcomes from that. And in really many ways, that's what we're experiencing in the book of Acts in this, story, in this series of Unstoppable. The church is growing. The church is advancing. And everywhere the church is expanding, things are just turning over. Things are changing dramatically, and they're changing for the better. Now, as we go to Acts chapter 17, there's one verse, verse number 6, and I want to start with this from the New King James, and I want you to look at this with me. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now, who, who are they referencing? We'll get to the story a little bit, little bit in a moment or two. They're referencing Paul and Luke and Saul, uh, Paul and Luke and, and Timothy and, and Barnabas and Silas. These are individuals who, as they have come into the city, their interpretation of what's happening is the world's being flipped on its head. And, man, I'm telling you, everything is being thrown out of sync. You know, the, this, it's like Inception where things are just turning over and, and realities are just so different than they once were. And they don't like it. And they don't like it. But listen to this. But what they did not realize was that the world was already upside down. When you turn something upside down which is already upside down, you turn it right side up. The world was turned upside down in Eden with Adam and Eve. And it has been operating in reverse ever since. That is why it never works right. In the final analysis, everything seems to fall apart. Even the best efforts of men never seem to accomplish the solution of the dilemma. That is why we are still listening to this. That is why we are still struggling with the same problems they wrestled with in the days of Noah before the flood. No progress has been made, none whatsoever, despite all our vaunted technology and abilities. We have made no progress in solving basic human problems. That is because the world is upside down. But now the gospel comes in and turns it right side up. Oh man, do I like that. I love it. But I want us to just for a moment turn away from the meta view. In other words, the big, the big picture, the, the view of the world, and turn it to the micro view. Your life and my life. In 2021, do they seem to be upside down? Does it seem to be that th- there's just, something's out of sync, out of rhythm? It could could it use, could your life use a little turnover? Now, I'm not talking about like an apple turnover. We could all use that. I understand that yesterday was National Donut Day. So I'm not talking about that. Okay, I'm not talking about that. But could it could it use... A little turnover, and I, would, I might suggest that the answer is yes, yes, and yes, emphatically. But how might we get to a right-side-up life? Is there a way to do that? Is, is it even a remote possibility? We actually see, I, I really do think this, we actually see a way forward to a right-side-up life in Acts 17. And we're going to talk about that for a few moments. So pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for the opportunity. We had to be together and open your word, and I pray in these moments that you will show us that path forward for a right-side-up life, in Jesus' name, amen. Look with me if you would to Acts chapter 17. We're going to begin reading verse number 1 through verse 15. So if you're joining us at home, go online, make sure you got your Uversion app open or open up your Bibles, and here in the house, make sure you do the same thing. Uh, Open up that that mobile device to your scriptures there or to your Bible and look with me to Acts chapter 17, verse number 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a, number, a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into their house, into his house. They're, they are defying, they are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berea Jews were of more noble character than in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did, a number, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. After Paul and Silas leave Philippi, they travel along what was called the Ignatian Road. Now, the Romans were famous for building roads that connected all of the empire. This was one of them. And it led them down to Thessalonica, a trip of about a hundred miles from where they had previously been in Philippi. It was about a three-day journey. By the time they get there, uh, what we or rather what we understand about Thessalonica was that it was a seaport, it was a harbor town, it was the capital of Macedonia, and it was a center of trade in the Aegean Sea. And it is here in Berea where we see this this right side up life develop. We're going to talk about that now. So. There are three thoughts I want to leave you today. The first one is this. A right-side-up life remains focused on good, godly routines. Remains focused on good, godly routines. Now, all of us, all of us have routines. All of us have these things that we just do every day, every week. They're just routines. Whether it's I mean, there's a, there's a ton of different things that, 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 that underst- or underscores that attitude. Uh, you know, to be frank, we're, we're okay with you having a routine of going to Starbucks every day. That's fine. No big deal. We're good with the fact that you do routine maintenance on your car. We are glad that you wear clean clothes. But we are ecstatic that you have a routine of taking a shower and brushing your teeth. I'm telling you that is just it proves we're just ecstatic about that. You see, we all have routines. We all have routines. We're all creatures of habit and routine. What we observe in Paul and his traveling companions was they had a routine when they would go to a city, the first thing they would do is they would go to the Jewish synagogue. And that's where they would begin to share the message of Christ. And that routine proved tremendously effective. And, and the, the understanding here is this is a good routine. It works. And it produces results. And it produces results. So what might, what might I ask are the, pr- the routines you do every day that will produce right-side-up living? What is it? Is it coffee? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it depends on, I guess, what how, you know, how you start your day. I don't know. Is it email? Is it social media? Are those the routines? Because honestly, those are routines that all of us do. We're all doing them. These are things. We just have these normal routines. It's a daily walk. That's fine. But are they producing in us the right side up living? From kind of the upside down life. We might find ourselves within today you see we know that there are things like worship and prayer and scripture and reflection these are things that will produce the best possible outcomes the others will produce outcomes but is it what we truly desire I might suggest that we would focus on those things the scripture the prayer the worship the reflection, the things of God, godly routines. That's what's going to produce in us right-side-up living. Psalm 5 in verse number 1 says, O oh Lord, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God. For I pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very familiar scripture. Oh Lord, or excuse me, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Mark 1, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Acts chapter 17, 11, which we just read, they studied the scriptures every day. These are good routines, and you notice most of them just kind of feel like it's the first thing someone does. Here's a priority here, and here's a phrase for you that you can just capture. If you win the morning, you will win the day. If you win the morning, you will win the day. In other words, when you start your day with a good, godly routine, there is something that will produce right-side-up living in you. It will begin to turn what is upside-down right-side-up. Our lives can get so out of rhythm. That it is no wonder everything seems upside down. But a continuous focus on godly routines will turn will turn things right side up and produce powerful results in your life. Paul sees that both in Thessalonica and in Berea. When they, they preached the good news, that was where they went. This routine in the synagogue produced amazing results. The second thing this morning is that a right side up life Accepts God's word for what it is and applies it. Accepts God's word for what it is and applies it. As Paul begins his reasoning with the Thessalonians, it's not from philosophy. It's not from current events. It is, but rather it's from Scripture. It's from Scripture. Now granted, these were Jews and they would have, as I said last week, kind of a remedial knowledge of the scriptures and how they are being applied to the Messiah they would have that but but one of the things i find interesting as i was studying this week is that was it complete because what they may have done they may have and maybe we do this too we go they went to the same scriptures over and over again scriptures that would show kind of the triumph as it were of Messiah because they remember they were under roman rule and under roman oppression And their idea of a Messiah was to deliver deliver them from that and restore David's kingdom, this prominence in the world. And while that was misunderstood, they may have gone again and again to those kinds of scriptures. But Paul explains to them that Jesus is the suffering Savior, the suffering Messiah. And he goes to those verses, verses like Psalm 22 verse number one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You might remember that verse. Jesus spoke that verse while hanging on the cross. It might have been a verse like Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. You see, that's what Paul would have done when he began to unpack the Scriptures to them. He would point them to what they had in the Old Testament that showed Jesus to be the Messiah, that suffering Savior. And it's it's interesting as you read this account of both in Thessalonica and Berea, Luke, who is recording all of this, He uses eight different words and responses that the Thessalonians and the Bereans make from God's Word. He reasoned with them, Paul says, or rather Luke says. He reasoned with them. He explained to them. He proved to them. He proclaimed to them. They were persuaded. They joined. They received. And they examined. You see, all of these things that Paul is, is sharing from Scripture, they, he's proving things, he's explaining, he's proclaiming the good news of Jesus. The Scriptures are being unpacked to them, to where they hear it, they join, they are persuaded, and then you go to Berea and they're, and they're examining the Scriptures to see if it's true. So if we go back to the, the, the main point of this, uh, of number two, where I say that The right side, a right set up life, accepts God's word and applies it for what it is. Listen to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. And we will never stop thanking God for this. That when we preached to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke of being just our own. But you accepted what we said as the very word of God. Which, of course, it was. And it changed your lives when you believed. This is the bottom line for me. When Paul proclaims God's word to the Thessalonians and then to the Bereans, this is God, they get it. They get it. They accept it for what it is and they apply it to the lives. And I love the way the Living Bible just said that. And it changed your life. You see, the philosophies of this world are not going to turn your upside-down life into a right-side-up life. The things that are within pop culture aren't going to do it. It is the Word of the living God that will make the difference. will turn your upside-down life into a right-side-up life. And we can see that in their lives. Years ago, when Marcy and I were in student ministries, one of my student leaders called me one night. And he said, hey, Gary, he says, do you have a few minutes so we could talk? And I said, sure, you know, sure. He says, would you mind if I came over? I said, no, come on over. So he came over to the house and we sat down and we started chatting. And he was, he was, a, he was a wonderful young man and uh, still is. I think he at one point was serving even on uh, one of the boards of the churches that he now attends. And he, he was kind of crestfallen, you know, he was just kind of down in the dumps. I think he was a junior in high school at the time. And he said, I'm just having problems and struggles. And he just goes on. He kind of, kind of unpacks his heart to me. And I asked him this question. I said, let me ask you. How are you, how are you doing each day and kind, of kind of your walk of faith? How are you doing with your, kind of your, your spiritual practices? How are you doing with your time in God's Word? And I'm telling you, it was like <laughs> when I said that, he did, He kind of did this. He said, he kind of dropped his head, and there's this kind of sigh, and I said, not, not happening so much right now, and he goes, no, and I said, all right, here's the, here's the deal, here's what I want you to do, I'm going to write you a prescription, I said, I want you to, for the next seven days, I want you to just pour yourself into God's Word, and then we'll talk, now I don't remember if it was seven days, or if it was three days, or whatever it was, but I know this, he came back to me, and he said, man, everything changed, he says, just everything has Everything is brightened. Everything is different. Why? Because of God's Word. You see, God's Word's powerful. It cuts within our hearts. It, it changes the things that need to be changed. The Scripture will even talk about the washing of the Word. It cleans us up. It challenges us. It exposes things that need to be exposed. It It encourages us, it builds us up, it convicts us, it does so very much. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy, another one of the traveling companions that's with him in Thessalonica and Berea. Listen, but you must remain faithful, 2 Timothy 3, you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. Man, I could just stop and go off on that phrase. Remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. Many of us, if not all of us, have at least like, not unlike those in the synagogue, a remedial knowledge of Scripture. Maybe not all of us. Some of us are coming to faith, and that's exciting. I'm so glad that you're journeying faith with us, and we have that opportunity to journey with you. But listen, if we have been followers of Christ for any length of time, be faithful to the things that you've been taught. Scripture is powerful. It will take you from upside-down living to a right-side-up life. But you've got to remain faithful to what you've been taught. Listen, you know they are true, for you know you can trust who taught you. Now he's talking about family. Paul, especially Silas, probably had an impact in his life. Barnabas probably had some impact in his life. Look at this. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. So I'm going to again stop for just a second. I was raised uh, on Scripture. Uh, I was raised on Oreos. I was raised on ice cream and bacon. And, but I was raised on Scripture. That's more important than all the other stuff, right? And Many of you are too. And it's deep within your heart. You've been taught the Scriptures from childhood. They've been, they have given you, listen to this, they have given you, this is powerful, the wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. That is powerful. All scripture is inspired of God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Let me challenge you to accept and apply God's word. It will turn things right side up in fact luke records the following now the berean jews were of more noble character what made them more noble two things their eagerness and their examination of scripture that's what produced the nobility in their life in other words it took them from from what would have been an upside down life to a right side up life because of god's word it was the examination of scriptures and Consider this, when Luke makes a complimentary statement about the character of people, we do well to examine that character trait and to emulate it. We need to be like the Bereans, who are eager about the Scriptures, who examine it daily because it will take your life from upside down to right side up. Here's a resource for you. On September 6, 2020, in our series of Curious, did a message entitled Bible 101, Bible 101, and here is the YouTube link for that. Now you can, if you're in the house, you can take a picture of it, it's in your worship guide, Uh, it's also in the U version notes, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that message and I want you to watch it, because I go into greater detail about the power of the Word of God and the trustworthiness of God's Word. Uh, well, I can't do this all today, but this will help you understand why I'm proclaiming what I'm proclaiming. It will, I, I believe it will prove, it will help you examine Scripture. It's all those same words that we are reading in Acts 17. And it will help you to accept and apply God's Word because that's what God, that's what this is. This is the very Word of God. You see, the Bible will challenge you, challenge you to reorient your life to God. The Bible will challenge you to reorient your life to God and will offer you the life, I love this, you were created to live. One more time, the Bible will challenge you to reorient your life to God and and will offer you the life you were created to live. You are not created to live an upside down life. The world goes that way. The world pushes that way, but you're not designed for that. And God's word reorients our life from upside down living to right side up living finally this morning a right side up life challenges the status quo challenges the status quo and is okay with it challenges the status quo and is okay with it the word status quo the phrase status quo means the existing state or condition all of us kind of i think we all kind of understand what status quo is for your own particular you know context today whatever it is it's the existing state or condition. Now, when we begin to mess with the status quo, <laughs> there's, there's a little pushback. Or, I'm going to say it this way. When God's Holy Spirit begins to mess with your status quo, there's pushback. Sometimes resist it. We fight against it. We, we close off to what God is saying. Now, and that's what happens here. When we read in in chapter seventeen, verse six, these guys who've who turned the world upside down, they've come here. Let me tell you something. And it happened. And so there was there was pushback against what Paul and Silas and and Timothy and Luke, what they were all about. In, in fact, the Thessalonians just were doing everything they could to. to they, they took Jason where he was staying and. It made him post bond so that they could go on. They were really asking, get these people out of the city. They go to, the, they go to Berea. The same thing happens. They proclaim the good news of Jesus. And then the rabble-rousers from Thessalon- Thessalonica come to Berea to mess with them. They're pushing against the status quo, the existing state or condition. When we were pastoring in the Bay Area many years ago, I, the first time I heard John Maxwell speak, who... John Maxwell, if you're not familiar with that name, he used to pastor in San Diego, and then he is now one of the leading individuals regarding leadership, probably in the world. I heard John Maxwell at this conference say this. He redefined status quo. Okay, the, the, the definition of status quo is an existing state or condition. Okay, He defined it this way. The mess that we're in. The mess that we're in. That might be the only thing I remember from that conference, was that phrase, the mess we're in. Think about it in light of your own particular life today. We look at the status quo, and I will tell you, when God's Word is proclaimed, it challenges the status quo. It challenges your condition. challenges mine. challenges your upside-down life. challenges mine. The mess that we're in, the mess. And honestly, if our world is upside down, if your world is upside down, <laughs> that's a mess. That's a mess. I don't want to live that way, and I know you don't. I don't. I know you don't either. In Thessalonica, Thessalonica and Berea, the status quo is changing, and there's pushback. And it's a common theme that following Christ, even just that, following Christ, will result in pushback. Following Christ challenges the status quo. Matthew 24, verse 9, Jesus said, You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. 2 Timothy 3, yes, and those who decide to please Christ by living godly lives will suffer at the hands of those who hate him. Understand, there's pushback, naturally, because we're challenging the status quo with faith. We're challenging the status quo with, with, with Scripture, with life. I saw a video the other day I thought was really interesting. It was a turtle. It was a turtle on its shell side. Okay, It was on the shell side. And it was very interesting to to see this turtle because I will tell you, that turtle was helpless. A little bit like this guy. It was helpless. And it wasn't until somebody came along and flipped this turtle off of his shell side onto his legs that the turtle then could go about being a turtle. But when he's on his back, he's vulnerable. He's helpless. He's in a place that isn't good. He is living upside down, not as he's intended to live. The status quo is challenged. And I want to tell you that the challenge, there's a challenge to your status quo right now. Upside down or right side up? Which one characterizes your life? Or maybe I could ask this. Which one do you want to be living? Which one? Let me revisit something I read a few moments ago. When you turn something upside down, which is already upside down, you turn it right side up. The world was turned upside down at Eden with Adam and Eve. And it has been operating in reverse ever since. That is why, that is why, It never works right. It never works right. The world is upside down. But the gospel comes in and turns it right side up. Without Christ, your life is upside down. But it need not be. Carl Henry said, Jesus Christ turns life right side up. And heaven inside out. I believe that God desires for you not to live in an upside down life. But rather with a right side up life. And I would also say that a right side up life is within your grasp. It's within your grasp. It is establishing routines that honor God and that are good and pleasing to him. It is It is an acceptance of God's Word and an application of God's Word. It will make the difference. It is God's Word. But accept it and apply it to your life. And and you're going to see the the flip from upside down to right side up. And understand that when God's Word begins to penetrate your heart and your soul, there's pushback because the the, the status quo is being challenged. The mess that we're in is being challenged. But there is right side up life available to you. In Jesus Christ, and I want to invite you today to a right side up life so pray with me if you would Jesus thank you for today and I pray in these moments that we would move from an upside down life to a right side up life and we do that as we as we come under the influence of your word we we begin to do the things that we know are right and godly. And Lord, we accept your word for what it is. And when there's pushback, Lord, we accept it and we move from that place of being upside down to right side up. And I pray that would happen in each person's life this morning. So, right now, if you're at home and you're saying, I want, an, I want a right side up life, and here's what I would suggest or here's what I would ask, and everybody in the house this morning, the same thing, here's what I'm going to say. Put your faith and trust in Christ. That's where it begins. He takes that upside down life and makes it right side up. He turns heaven, (laughs) he he turns it inside out. I love it. I love it. And he is able to do that in your life today. Declare him, confess him as Lord, and believe in your heart that he's alive. You'll be saved. That's the starting point. And from there, we believe that your life will turn from being upside down to right side up. But it is in faith. In Christ. It's not what you do. It's what Christ has already done. It is by grace through faith that you're saved. It is not what you have done, but it is a gift God gives. Receive Him today. So Lord, that's our prayer. As we come to faith in Christ, turn our lives from upside down to right side up. As we put our faith and trust in you, we give you all the thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.